Good morning. I am Joshua. And I am Jamie. And, and we're, we're gonna, gonna do Daredevil. We're getting it down. We're working it out. Trying to, at least. Yeah, trying our best. And welcome, everyone. Uh, this is episode 64 of... Uh, it's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. That's, it's a lot that's of hours. the number. Yes. A high, a high number. Yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, I got a nice uh, uh, tweet from someone saying that they're, they're on episode eight and they're enjoying listening to it. So hopefully, we don't outstay our welcome with them. Oh, very good. That's great. Yes. So thank you for that. And... Uh, yeah. And welcome. <laughs> By the time you get to this one, uh, in uh, maybe three years, well, uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Joshua, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Still uh, practicing the, the proper social distancing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been, we got a, a dog, we got a puppy. Yeah. Um, so me and the wife have been uh, playing with the dog a lot. So that's been great. Um, but, you know, trying to keep busy, trying to stay productive. Some, t some days are better than others, but mm -hmm. at least there's plenty of good uh, comics to read on uh, Marvel Unlimited and also the DC Universe app. So I've been I've been enjoying uh, reading lots of comic books. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I've been uh, I, I was thinking I would like to get a uh, I'd like to start a date and get the weekly list of books that were released on that date and go up every week with that date so go back to like 1984 or something like that for this oh, really this day in history in 1984 and see what was released and go oh, i'll read those and yeah but so, so are you talking but, about are you talking about reading everything that came out that week of 1984 and then the next week reading everything that came out the following week in 1984 and just starting in a previous year yeah that's cool yeah but it, it wouldn't i wouldn't I probably wouldn't read everything because there was a lot, but it would, whatever was available on those two, uh, those two apps would be, would be the yeah. easiest thing to do. Be kind of fun to try and do maybe. I don't know, yeah. but I probably won't. I'll probably just, uh, look at my phone and fall asleep at some stage and wake <laughs> up after two hours and wonder why I can't sleep. Um, <clears throat> are you working on any little warrior stuff or are you, uh, no, I'm not. I've kind of, uh, I've, Taking not a break from that, but uh, just haven't done anything recently from Little Warrior uh, since uh, the Kickstarter a few months back. Um, so I uh, just sort of enjoying that at the moment, but uh, definitely plans to continue that here uh, in the months ahead. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yes, sir. What about you? Are you stay? Have you been uh, doing any comic book related uh, related creative stuff? A little bit, yeah. A little, very small amount. Um, uh, something I've been working with uh, uh, David Wynn on secretly. And, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Ooh, top secret. It's not that top secret. It's just that it's very slow, so I don't want to <laughs> say anything no. just yet. But yeah, it's a little uh, little story that we're working on together. So That's cool. Yeah, something fun, hopefully. Nice. Yeah. Um, but enough about us. Yeah. People Who cares about to, us? Yeah, no one wants to hear about us. They want to hear about oh. Matthew J. Murdoch. What's his middle name? Uh... 
Jack. No, what is his middle name? Oh, no. <laughs> you got me. It's Michael, Matthew Michael Murdoch. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, I always say Jabe, just but it's not. It's Matthew Michael Murdoch. Um, so today I believe we're going to be covering issues 277 through yes. 282. Yeah. And uh, 277 is a fill-in issue um, with a different artist. Uh, Leonardi comes yeah, back. He did uh, two issues that I really enjoyed that uh, that were that uh, Daredevil and Wolverine crossover. But yeah. this particular issue takes place out of the storyline. And there is even at the very beginning, there's a little box that says that um, this special little tale occurs prior to Daredevil's recent departure from New York. Yes, exactly. Good. Thank you for, for that. Rick Leonardi is the greatest hand artist in the history of the Marvel Universe, in my opinion. A man draws hands like no other. Oh, wow. That's I, I cool. Love, I love looking at his hands. This is a, it's a, it's a fun um, little story that has a real, it feels like something from, again, uh, I say this a lot with Anderson, but it feels like a real vertigo story. It feels like something from like Doom Patrol or, mm-hmm. or um, it, it starts with this incredible uh, one page uh, image, which is a, a woman looking at uh, some pieces of art and uh, the staff in the gallery have, have taken on these weird shapes and are like empty tuxedos with floating cow skulls for heads. And um, and it's called a, a Crown of Horns is the, is the title. Um, everyone else except for for John Romita is involved. Every The usual suspects are all here. But mm-hmm. um, as you said, it starts with that. Uh, this takes place before his departure and um it's a, I, I, does he have does he appear in costume i can't remember he, he only for a second um the main one of the main characters in this issue um is a is a female that is going through some has some mental problems as we to put it lightly and um she sees daredevil and kind of while he's Matt Murdock and uh, she has a vision of yeah. him in with horns and as kind of dressed like the devil. Mm-hmm. And at that point he's wearing sort of a, a daredevil cow, I yeah. guess. But that is the only time that we see any sign of daredevil. The rest is just Matt Murdock and the other players. Yeah. Um, the other players being, uh, it's a uh, Vivian and uh, Daniel. It's a, a couple who are, um, uh, Daniel is a psychologist, and uh, Vivian is a uh, a patient, and um, mm-hmm. it is. And he is, and I would say he is a terrible at his job, <laughs> terrible at it because it, because at the very beginning of the issue, he has a client in there with him, and she's talking about. I mean, her story is ridiculous, but she's talking about how her husband has this bow tie that she can't stand, and mm-hmm. but. The reason why I'm saying he's terrible at his job is because the entire time that she's talking to him, while he's supposed to be listening and taking notes and helping her out, um, he uh, he's just is only thinking about his wife. And it's kind of cool because as she's talking, talking about this bow tie and, and everything else that's bothering her in her relationship, he's just talking about his wife, about how he's or thinking about his wife. And we can actually um, we read his his inner dialogue and he's very concerned for her. Yeah. And he's he's wondering, you know, like, I don't 
you know, she's not ready to go out into society. You know, she's got these issues with her that we need to get through first. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point he even picks up a picture frame and looks at it and sees his wife. So, um, it, like I said, terrible at his job. Yeah. Know? Yeah. She, she's, uh, she's suffering from rather severe, uh, hallucinations, uh, mm-hmm. psychological hallucinations. She sees, uh, uh, things around the world that take on these monstrous forms. And she's out shopping for a gift for him, for Daniel. And like you said, he's with a client. He's just, he's not even looking at the client. He's basically just smoking a cigarette and looking at pictures of uh, Vivian, his wife, and thinking about how uh, risky it is that she's gone out. We cut between that and the image that we first saw, which is Vivian in this uh, art gallery looking at paintings, but seeing the staff in the in the gallery as these kind of monstrous uh, skeletal creatures. Um, yeah, she calls them parasites, and she actually ends up storming out of the, of the gallery because yeah. uh, you know she's taking a break, or she's not able to find anything for her husband at this point. But she sees these guys as being, I guess, evil parasites um, that are trying to sell terrible art, and uh, so she's just like, I'm, I'm out of here. I can't yeah. handle this. And, and it's, yeah, at it's, first, it's... The, at first, the people. Um, the tenants are the people that are working at the gallery are kind of like, Oh, you no, 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 no. Do you want something? We'll help you out. But then at the end they're like, you get, you know, forget about her. She's crazy. Like, yeah. let her go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that they, that she sees them as feeding off of the bones of the artists of, of cutting out the artists. So, um, and then we cut back to some more incredible hands <laughs> and That's uh, funny. a little brief mention that it's Christmas tomorrow. Uh, Joshua, which will excite you. That's another year. Another year. Daredevil is now 57 years 57 old. 57 years old. Um, <laughs> Vivian walks around. She keeps looking at people and they keep looking, they keep taking on these forms. And then she goes into a antique store and is looking at a crown um, and uh, actually cuts her. She, she sees, um, she cuts her finger on the crown and then is looking at a piece of uh, pottery and it's a, a sacrifice. It looks like a, like a Mayan or Inca imagery of a sacrifice and then it cuts to daniel uh sacrificing her so she's having these like kind of uh visions that are making her she's just basically like like reality keeps shifting around her it's sort of foreshadowing their relationship too yeah yeah exactly what she's seeing the image that she's creating in her mind Mm -hmm. is something internal that uh she i guess doesn't really know she feels Mm -hmm. um and and everything but uh we'll get more into that in a minute yeah um then we see matt matt's walking around he's quite happy he's talking about all of the all of the senses that are uh, wafting around him throughout the city you know you know it's actually a little refreshing to see matt back in hell's kitchen back in new york because uh you know and and seeing him as matt murdoch with the cane and the glasses on Mm -hmm. because it's been a long time since uh we've seen daredevil like this because he's been on the road for i mean the last couple of podcasts which is covered you know 12 plus issues. So we're talking over a year now. Yeah. It's been over a year, um, including the ones we're talking about today. So it's just, it's refreshing to see daredevil as we kind of know him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to almost, uh, let's see, like two, six, six, two, six, six was the last time. Well, no, two, six, seven was when he left. That was when he fought with, uh, uh, bullet two, six, seven. So, yeah, yeah, and he's on the road for all of these issues, so that's yeah. up to two eighty two. And I know that they were releasing two a month for a while, but mm-hmm. but still um, so over a year. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Almost almost uh, a year was, was worth. Um, so Matt bumps into Vivian. She she comes stumbling out of the store and bumps into him, and uh, and 
says like she needs some help. She's uh, struggling, but she says that he's a blind man and he's glowing um, and asks for him to help her get home. So uh, they get home and we find Daniel is there and he's very, uh, it never says explicitly, but it kind of implies that he's, he's had a couple of drinks and he's a little loose mm-hmm. in his manner. And um, yeah, yeah, and at first when he sees Matt walking her home or mm-hmm. I get actually coming into the door, because Vivian invites Matt in, um, he is very standoff. She's very, he's kind of angry at first. You can yeah. tell he's jealous. He doesn't like, he's very fixated with Vivian. Yeah. And he doesn't like anybody interfering or being any part of that. So he sees Matt. He's like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And then Vivian kind of has to convince her husband like, hey, you know, this guy's cool. He walked me home. He's my guest. I wanted to come in. And then that's when he is like, okay, you know what? I'm sorry, Matt. You know, I can see you're, you're blind. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, I get a little bit, you know. I guess a little cuckoo in the head sometimes because I love my wife so much. But uh, come on in. Let's let's have dinner. Let's talk. Yeah. He starts to mention that she's got a condition, a delicate condition, and it's kind of difficult to to work with her. And he's very he's very open about it too. Yeah, he's very, very open. Very open. That's that's why you, we see like bottles being opened and he's been drinking and he's very open. And he starts to tell um Matt about the condition. And what we have is we have this this thing that's happening where we see uh, Daniel explaining what his relationship with his wife is and the condition that she's going through and how he's treating her and um, you know how she has these hallucinations that are triggered and he tries to control her environment completely to keep her feeling safe and then we have Matt's internal thoughts as he's talking about like how aggressive his protection is and how he keeps like we, we see uh, Leonardo draws um, Daniel was like physically blocking Matt a lot of the time and getting between him and Vivian and Vivian's working behind and we see some of the hallucinations that she's going through and she sees herself being chained up in the house with uh, Daniel um, and it's constant like she'll be sitting in the chair and suddenly uh, manacles will appear behind her and she feels trapped while he's talking about how she has to stay at home and it's important that she can't get a job and how it's important that she shouldn't be out because uh, we're working on curing her. He keeps saying we're going to cure her, and then, but he also mentions that she's she's an interesting case. He keeps referring. Yes, to her as yeah, he does, and it's it's funny too because, um, you know, he starts off seeming more concerned, but then as the conversations kind of change up a little bit, he does he tells Matt like, you know, she's a textbook prize. Yeah, she is. The way that he words it, and you can kind of see this stuff unfolding throughout the the pages, is that. Um, he believes that not only is he going to be able to fix her Mm -hmm. and cure her, but in doing so, it's going to make him like the top notch psychiatrist, you know, like the, like the number one amigo around. And and he wants that. He wants to be seen as a person that cures her. So not only does he love his wife and really want to fix her, but or or cure her, but at the same time, he also really, really wants the accolades for himself. Yeah, there's also kind of an implication that the cure might be taken longer because it's such an interesting case. It's his way into fame. Um, and Matt and I'm, I'm Matt at some point here. He even talks about um, uh, have you considered seeing somebody else? Right? Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, "Don't you don't you think it might be better for her to?" Um, and it's he, there's like a, a weird little moment where he said like he he's he's very mercurial with his uh, the way he treats her and at one point he says you know she, uh, matt constantly is sensing that 
like her heart rate keeps going all over the place and she keeps getting these moments like these flushes of of being afraid or of being uncomfortable and but the, the the imagery is really amazing because yeah. um there are points where you know Daniel gets really close to her and is you know puts his arms around her but in her mind it's not arms it's she's wrapped up in chains yeah so we can kind of see that even though she her subconscious may not know exactly um what is going on with her husband it's sort of trying to tell her like you are trapped here yeah. because of him yeah he's not helping you he's trapping you cuz there's the constant she's constantly restrained arms behind her back like they're chained up chains around her whole body whenever he hugs her that type of deal yeah um he makes an excuse and, and leaves the table and and um there's this moment this very brief moment like you mentioned he appeared uh, uh, Vivian's looking at Matt and talking sort of talking about how gentle and kind he is because he keeps asking if she's okay and then she sees a flash of him in the cow in the daredevil mask and uh, and then actually says Matt are you sure you're blind because he's looking at her so much and then uh, Daniel does something kind of incredible he he wheels in a uh, <laughs> this is so weird <laughs> like a school video <laughs> unit he was in a tv and, and vcr and um and basically says look this is some videos i made of the case <laughs> look, watch this isn't this interesting and starts playing the case what, tapes. A, what a terrible husband yeah and, <laughs> and vivian <laughs> even vivian says that i don't think this is appropriate and yeah and I matt's mean, like yeah he, that comes in your house that you barely met by the way you know my, my wife's kind of cuckoo for cocoa puffs let's put on this video here so you can see how crazy she is this yeah it's kind of weird and then it's uh he, he he's basically talking through it and you see that he's not he doesn't even care about vivian at this point he cares about like the the interest of the case and he's talking and, about and and while this is all happening you know we get some great shots of matt where he's just got this disgusted look on his face yeah. like you are a terrible person is what he's thinking yeah <laughs> about daniel yeah um and it's kind of it's a super awkward moment it's very uncomfortable like you said matt basically stops talking and is just staring and then that's when Daniel actually says, you know, this is this is great. This is the paper that's going to make me famous. And Vivian says, yeah, he's writing a, a paper about my case. And that's when Matt, it, it, it all ties together for Matt, where it's like, you don't actually care. You are, you know, he's, he's thinking you're, you're in this for the fame, not for her. And then uh, Vivian says, oh, I got your Christmas present and reveals what it is. And it's it's a shrunken head, which is fantastic. And there's a moment where she says, I don't remember buying that. And, and Daniel almost looks angry. And then he goes, ah, see, it's funny. It's a joke. I get it. Uh, you have such a great sense of humor. And then she looks at Daniel and notices that he's just a small child. In She sees him as a small child. And says, you know, he's just a frightened little boy lost in adult clothes. And but the the relationship is killing me. It's it's I'm I'm also the shrinking head. This is not good for either of us. And she storms out. Yeah, she leaves and Matt actually, you know, says yeah. to, to Daniel, stay here, I'll be back. And then he goes after Vivian and uh, we get to see a couple of cool acrobatic shots here where yeah, he's Matt following quickly her. catches up to her, you know, jumping over fences and that type of stuff. And then he uh, thankfully at the at the very last moment uh, runs across the street because she goes straight into traffic mm -hmm. and he saves her life. Some great art here where, uh, you know, we see like just her terrified as she's going to just about be hit by this yellow taxi yeah and matt saves her at the last second yeah. brings her over to the sidewalk and is like everything's going to be okay vivian everything's good everything's going to be okay and um he ends up going back to uh 
back to uh, Daniel and Vivian's place. And when he heads back there, um, we see Daniel in front of the TV just mesmerized by what he sees of his case and of his wife. And he's even saying, like, I love you. When did everything get so complicated? So he's starting to kind of realize when she's after she stormed off. Yeah, he's that, kind of breaking down. Hold on down. a second. Yeah, you know, thing. Maybe I've been going about this the wrong way. Yeah, and that's when Matt says, Matt says, you can't have both. You can't have, you can't have a wife that you love and a case that you're pursuing. You can't have the fame and the love. You have to choose. If you can, he says, if you continue to pursue your wife as a case, you will lose her as your wife. This is not my business. I'm a stranger, but sometimes strangers see past the blindness of those involved. And he says, I know what I have to do. And he burns the paperwork and the VCRs and throw I mean, that must smell horrible. <laughs> throw those VHS cassettes <laughs> in there. But he burns everything and basically says, we will find someone to help you, Vivian. Together, we will find the best person to help you. And I will be your husband from now on. And Matt smiles and walks off and it's snowing and it's a beautiful little moment. And, uh, that's the end. Yeah. So question for you. For me? Yeah, this, go ahead. Yeah, for you. This obviously takes place before the Typhoid Mary yeah. debacle. Well, maybe. Well, before the ending of it. Yes. Where she got everyone together. And before everything. 260, so, yeah. So where this fits in, we're talking this was, you know, probably in the 250 range, mm-hmm. right? So we're maybe 30 issues ago. Do you think that this story was written and then scrapped. And then maybe to give John Romita time to continue with the main story art-wise, they're like, well, let's grab that one story that you wrote, Anna Senti. Let's grab that one story, and uh, we'll, we'll do that as a, as a filler one. Hmm. Because it's interesting that they didn't choose to do a, a filler issue at the current moment. Yeah. You know? They actually went back in, in time with the same writer because a lot of times filler issues have a different writer too. Yeah, but this is the but second time it's happened it. with Anna Senti with mm-hmm. a uh, uh, she has written an issue that is a standalone fill issue. I think it was a standard practice um, at Marvel. At, I can't remember when it happened, but I think it was probably Jim Shu uh, uh, said that it needed to happen because there were so many late books at one stage um, that they had to have a issue in the bank. Same. Yeah, so when do you think this one happened? That, I was wondering like if they've been holding on to this issue for like 3 years. Yeah, they may well have cuz there's that one, let me see if I can find it. It's the uh uh 258. There's the one in 258 where we have the the jungle. I heard the jungle breathe, which is a standalone. Um and I mean you could argue that the other Rick Leonardi, the 248, 249 are kind of separate because uh although at that stage I guess um, it's pre John Romita Jr. It's them still trying to find eyes. But there's 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 the two fifty eight and um, the two six four, the baby boom one, which has the Steve mm-hmm. Ditko art. Um, so it's it's the third time. It's the third time that there's been a, a fill up. And I and as you said, there's uh, they're putting out double issues per month at this stage. So it's understandable. There's a lot of a uh, lot of work being done by the artist and um i'm sure that they had i don't i don't know if they had the full art ready to go but they definitely had this around the same time that they had the baby boom one and mm-hmm. the, the i had the jungle breathe one which was um you know it was a good couple of years before where we're at in the in the actual storyline so um i don't know i i think a standalone story in the current 
um, storyline that's happening might have been more confusing. Yeah, that's true because it, there's some crazy stuff that's going on in yeah. the regular storyline, right and it now. moves. It keeps moving. That story, it's like there's no yeah. there's no gaps in it. It's constant into the next part, into the next part, into the next part, and it, they they let you know that it's not like uh, you know three weeks later they're hanging out together. It's it's all very quick. It's all very urgent. The stuff that's happening. Yeah, if you think about it, like um, I'd say probably the last twelve. To fourteen issues since he's been on the on the run, um, it probably just takes place in you know a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, probably even less. It's a couple of it's like uh, maybe a week, maybe five days across that mm-hmm. year, that period. Um, anyway, we bounce over to two seventy eight, taking us and back it, into that story. Is, is this uh, the last podcast that we're going to be having? This creative team, yes. This is that the last. Really sad for you, Jamie, because I yeah. know how much uh, you really like him. Oh man, John Romita Jr. I I do know that Lee Weeks comes in and does an incredible job. He is a great artist, but the this is like the peak for me. The Anasani, John Romita Jr., Al Williamson. The the last podcast, um, I thought uh, John Rami- that was the best arc that we've seen from John Romita. Mm-hmm. I do like I do like the the, the double sized issue. Yeah, with the fight with everyone, that was probably his best overall. But as a whole, collectively, over like a span of the issues that we were actually talking about during the podcast, yeah, last podcast was when he peaked. So um, I feel kind of, you know, it kind of sucks a little bit that now we're jumping off of him. But man, they had a really, really long run. Oh, they had an amazing run. And this, these, these, there are some. Uh, is it two? 80 has some amazing stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, go, he goes to town in this. This is like, it, we go into, basically what happens is that um, uh, we see in uh, 278, we see the return of uh, Blackheart and Mephisto mm-hmm. who have uh, been floating around and, and enjoying seeing how much they can torment uh, Daredevil and the good people. And I mean, the cover, 278 cover alone is like, wow, this is people who are just like working. They're, they're doing their thing. It's incredible. It shows Daredevil jumping and hitting um, uh, Blackheart. Blackheart, yeah. Yeah, and then inside, it's basically like John Romita Jr. and Al Williamson, it's them, go to town, do whatever you want. This is your imagined world. Like really go at it. And we see we see a meeting of Mephisto and Blackheart where they're talking uh, about how Mephisto actually finds the, the humdum regular tormented version of hell that people have come up with he says like this is this place is terrible it's boring there's no creativity there's nothing here that's interesting to me these people want this and that to me is pathetic and and you know blackheart himself is kind of throughout the story saying you want this this is this is what you crave this kind of adulation of these broken souls is everything for you this is you're you're the uncreative one um and but we can see like the the first image is them standing on a out on an outcropping, a rock outcropping, and then we notice that it's made up of tormented souls, and we can see like figures everywhere just burning in hell. And um, Mephisto goes through and he's talking about how the real way to you know this this isn't torture. These people want this. This isn't interesting to me. The real way to torture and to to break man and to be creative is to find someone who you know isn't doing big crimes. Big crimes. Those people want it. The the person who goes out to murder and and kill and and rob, he's a bad person. So there's no there's nothing gained there. But when you find the good person that tells a little lie or 
or um, takes something that they shouldn't or does something just misleads and does little things that they think they can get away with that's the real beautiful that's like that's the right. stuff i like so that's what we should be looking at and asante writes a really really good mefesto yeah yeah and, and and you're you're exactly right it's really neat how you know he breaks down what his version of the ultimate evil is and it's way way s- simpler than what you would think it's it's not the the, you know, the, the mass murderers, it's not the people that are born evil, you know, and it, he, it's the people that do the little tiny things that uh, cause people to kind of switch from being a good to a bad guy. It's, yeah. it's, it's very, the very slight things, like you said, it's really cool. Yeah, that's it. This is uh, we 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 have this great moment where he's he's going through and we see the tormented souls and he's talking about, you know, how unelegant and 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 base this all is and then we cut to upstate new york where we see uh daredevil we see brandy and gorgon karnak um uh, number nine and skip all hanging around um you know gorgon and karnak saying Dude, we've got kudos to on, on getting everybody's name right. <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to remember them there. uh gorgon and, and karnak are saying we've got to keep moving because we're trying to find black bolts some and skip and brandy are kind of saying you know you're going on to uh, Pottersville is, is the place they're going to and um, number nine's there saying I made lunch for everyone I've got these little things and, and Matt's looking at the um, the Ultron heads just kind mm-hmm. of playing around and sitting there and listening but while this is going on this is what uh, Mephesto's saying he's saying it is easy to make an evil man sin but it is a great achievement to make a good man betray what he believes in the seven deadly sins sins of pride lust avarice sloth they are the worst of sins, for through them you can corrupt a good man. Ingenious evil creates creative evil. That is the true art of the devil. As fine an art as a painting by Rembrandt, a poem by Yeats, Yeats, sorry, a masterwork. It consists of taking a good, strong person and making him feel a tinge of jealousy, say, and nurture that until it grows into a burning fire. That could kill even the object of envy. Um, and then we have a... a, a great double page where we see Mephesto and um, uh, Blackheart talking about this stuff still and we see the little moments of jealousy we see uh, Brandy starting to think like god everyone loves number nine she's always perfect why am I worthless she's the one that everyone's interested in they don't even look at me when she's here and we see the little moments of jealousy bubbling there and like she gives um uh, Gorgon a hug and he says why don't you come with us and, and Karnak is there saying you know no this is we're, we're in very important business we can't just be bringing anyone along and and she's like yeah yeah I'd love to come and um, all the way through it Matt is like being this kind of obnoxious guy who's just like everyone just chill out you know Stop yeah so worked relax out. L- let number nine do what she wants yeah, to do it's calm okay. down and he keeps saying it and, and Brandy's getting annoyed at him for being like how can you always be so aloof and how can you let them get away with it and uh, they, they say goodbye to uh, Karnak uh, number nine and uh, Gorgon and they go off in, in a jeep together and that's when uh, is talking with Black heart and says you know do you understand what you have to do and he says yes i must find a tiny crack and a tiny flaw in the tendencies in man and nurse that little spark into a flame um and uh he says you know i've already picked out the hero that this will work best with so they they leave their devil and daredevil's there and then brandy says you know she admits i'm sorry i got jealous i always i hate myself i'm always criticizing people always telling them what's wrong and she says you know i get it from my dad i guess and 
feel bad. And, and Matt says, well, why don't we catch up and say goodbye properly? Yeah, don't let that be your the, their last memory of you. Let's go. Let's go and see him. We can catch up with him. And she's like, <laughs> it's hey. really interesting, Jamie, because this whole time Daredevil's been like, I got to get away from these people. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm on the move. I'm a traveling man. And so now is like the perfect time where Daredevil can leave. Yeah. He can leave right now because most of the most of the group has gone off or on their own mission. And he probably doesn't want to hang around with Brandy anyways because she's no. kind of annoying. So, <laughs> l- so literally, this is the exact chance that he can go. But for some reason, he still sticks with these people. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Let's uh, let's go ahead and get in the car and let's uh, let's let's go after him. Yeah. Literally, like two seconds after they left. Yeah, there's a kind of sense that he's come to peace with who he is. He's he's been on this uh, this journey out away from New York. He said he wanted to find out if that's who he truly was away and if he still uh, was a hero when he wasn't in Hell's Kitchen. And this is kind of the moment where we got the feeling that he's like found the piece and realized yeah i'm i'm daredevil it's who i am it's what i am i know that i'm matt murdoch but i'm also daredevil and i just need to accept that and um we see blackheart again an incredible image of him he basically says you know he can transform and look like a man look like a human take on their frail aspects and he becomes a hitchhiker and uh um uh, number nine convinces um Gorgon, Gorgon to him, yeah, yeah, to, to says, pull hey, over and pick up the hitchhiker. Pick him up. And Karnak's saying, this isn't a good idea. And they get in. And then uh, number nine's feeding Gorgon while he's driving. Karnak's sitting <laughs> in the back. And uh, Blackheart in his human form is basically like starting to dig in and get them jealous of each other. Yeah, yeah. He's telling Karnak, you know, boy, isn't she beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like, man, like, and look at, look at her with him. Like, oh, those guys, like, you know, they're two gods and everything. And obviously... It's all meant to kind of stir up jealousy out of Karnak. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and we see him, he's sitting there and he's steaming. He's starting to really, <laughs> it's starting to really get to him. Uh, we cut to the, the truck that um, Brandy's driving. And this is where uh, we see a lot of that stuff where uh, Brandy's like, Brandy says, so what, what are your plans for the future? And he says, uh, she says, oh, do you have any plans for the future? He says, not really. My future gets planned for me somehow. I do know I've been losing sight of just what it is to devote your life to being a so-called hero. Actually, when you yell at me before, the words stuck. It's true, I have a bit of superiority over here. I've been out on the road so long, I've been thinking too much. I need action. I need the streets of New York. I want to lose myself in the chaos. I want to be so blasted by the mix of life in the war zone of the city that I forget all my selfish problems. I miss Hell's Kitchen, which is uh, what you do as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he's driving along. As they're driving, he says, I can hear something in the woods. There's two. There's a bunch of heartbeats that are really erratic. There's harsh words. He says, I can't say anything to brandy because i can't let her know that i can sense this stuff but um she has to see the that's kind of weird to me jamie yeah, you that, could just uh, say she's it. like I can't, I can't let her know that i can sense this stuff because then she'll she'll wonder why he's a superhero yeah like it, it doesn't matter that he can sense it i mean they were literally with with karnak and gorgon or and gorgon it's like yeah. come on it they've, doesn't they've matter been, they've been fighting these crazy things for a while yeah it's and number like, nine's around you can sense it man yeah <laughs> So they, they they spot the jeep uh, pulled over into the road into the the uh, off off of the road and um, they get out and they run into the woods and we see Karnak and Gorgon fighting and they're completely riled up with each other and says you know yeah this- you, you got number nine who's like please stop because yeah. they're fighting over her right now because of the hitchhiker yeah but and uh, the, she feels terrible about it yeah the hitchhikers run away and this is uh, this is the uh, uh, Daredevil runs up and he says Karnak cut it out now and then he says hang on I can sense something I can smell something I can sense something it's that creature 
And he just runs off. He leaves them there. And, and Brandy's like, what are you doing? Come back. They're fighting. And he's completely locked in. He senses um, uh, Blackheart. And he's running. And Yeah, if we remember the last time that he ran into Blackheart was when he was with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they had that big fight. And uh, he he lets out, Blackheart lets out this terrible smell. This terrible, like, just everything around him just feels dead and gross. Yeah. And that's something because of the senses that Daredevil can, you know, really recognize. So he knows immediately um, who this is. And like you said, he jets out, he jets out after him. Yeah. Um, Gorgon and Connick carry on fighting. And there's the whole thing of, like, basically Connick says... You, you're, you're this like worthless ball of anger that just lashes out and I'm more refined and you're, you're royalty. You've got to stop behaving like this. And, um, you know, Kar- Karnak is, uh, his mind's a little flustered right now yeah. because of uh, the mind control per se from, uh, Blackheart. But if he wasn't, there's, there's no way he would lose this battle. Karnak would win every time. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> moment. He gets hit by uh, Gorgon pretty hard and goes flying back into a tree and he hits the tree. So it starts to fall on, on Gorgon and then Gorgon kicks it and it just shatters completely and sends splinters, uh, hitting number nine and, and Brandy as they're trying to get out of the way. And this fight's still going on and they're just like, they're basically screaming at each other. that They're going to kill each other. And then we cut back to Daredevil and he's like, this guy I'm chasing, he's out of shape, his heart is struggling, why can't I catch him? And he finally catches up and grabs him and says, who are you, who are you? I know who you are. And the guy, uh, uh, Blackheart, is pretending to be this like broken, scared human, but Daredevil says, if this is an act, I know it's an act, cut it out and just starts pounding <laughs> on him, starts slapping him and hitting him. And that's when the guy starts laughing and... Uh, and uh, says, you know, Dead Devil saying, reveal yourself whilst you talk. And, and Blackheart says, evil doesn't need to speak. Evil is superior and silent. It watches and judges. And Daredevil realizes what's happening. And the, the, there's a great, it's three panels of him. The first one is him looking down at where he's been hitting the guy. And slowly his head lifts up as we get the sense of something growing. And the, the coloring shifts slightly so it looks darker and darker. And then um, Blackheart's standing in front of him in full glory and daredevil tries to hit him a couple of times with a no effect at all uh, we know blackheart's a lot stronger than daredevil we saw that when when he met with um with spider-man and he's hitting him and um uh, basically blackheart is saying you are I, I i've revealed that you're evil i know that you 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 were just hitting some guy randomly and you think you're so tough and yet you know you're just you think you're superior but that makes you bad this sense of superiority this pride that you have and he says i'm not i'm not proud you know you're lying you know nothing you're trying to trick me and just keeps pounding on him and then he becomes the guy again and drops to the ground and says you know please you're hurting me and that's when dead was this like sharp moment where he's like what's going on what what am i doing and he just runs runs back to the others and um, he gets there when Gorgon and Karnak are basically burnt out and just said, you know, we don't even know why we were fighting anymore. Yeah, I think it's enough time has passed and the uh, and Blackheart is a, it was a far enough distance away that he no longer has the control over him. Yeah, yeah. And then Brandy's like, oh, here he comes, the guy who ran away. The, yeah, the coward. The coward. There she's complaining again with her yeah. cigarette in her mouth. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and number nine says, "Hang on, look, look at him. He's uh, he's breathing hard. He looks scared. He looks something's not right." And we see his hand, and the gloved hand is just like dripping with blood. It's just battered. And then, did, did you did you notice um, what uh, number nine is wearing? 
Yeah. She's got she's got the craziest outfits, and I don't know how she gets them. Like, who is she taking them from? Brandy? Does I think Brandy she's taking them from Brandy. Stuff? I think Brandy <laughs> was like dressed up in these uh, these Cindy Lauper outfits at some stage. And then while they're standing there talking, they say, "This is kind of weird. Something's going on. The sky's getting dark. Like something weird is happening." And then, um, we notice that it's Mephisto watching them and saying, "Yeah, you, uh, you, you guys, you know what's happening. You're so sensitive. I can see everything." And then he sees, uh, he cuts over to the place where they're heading, which is where uh, Black Bolt and Medusa's son is. And we have this moment where a woman is talking to a priest and saying, "You know, I don't know what I'm doing. My son, I fear him. He's scaring me. He's evil. Can a child be evil? Why does he scare me? I'm beginning to hate my son." And uh, and he says, coming to the church, and, and Mephisto thinks that's hilarious and says, you know, very funny. Yeah, enter the church, you poor mother. Um, that's the end and of 278. Yeah, it takes us over to 279, and it has a great, great cover. And uh, Mephisto is just coming out of hell, like up through the ground, and it's got all the other players, including uh, the boy who we have mm-hmm. yet to really meet. Yeah. Um, and, and they're all, it's just a, it's a great cover. And one thing I wanted to say was how Mephisto, every issue, he starts to look a little bit different and, yeah. um, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause John Romita Jr. Draws him just like he, his body just keeps changing. It gets more evilish looking. Yeah. It's you know, did very, you notice that? yeah, it's very animalistic. He doesn't, he never draws him as looking like the human, uh, Mephisto that we, we, we've seen so many times in like Dr. Doom and Dr. Strange encounters where he just looks like a, a member of Kiss. It's more like right. uh, it's more like this alien creature that's all scales and and horns and hair and and spikes and a tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a sucker really, for really crazy looking. Yeah, it, like you said, the cover's great. Any any time there's a cover of a hand, a giant hand grabbing superheroes, I'm all for that. They can keep oh yeah. Those, those um, so two seventy nine by the hand of Mephisto. It starts mm-hmm. out where we meet this new boy, Pope. Um, his his name is. Um, Pope mm-hmm. and uh, Pope is up on top of a hill in front of this crazy goat that he has been told by his, I guess we'll say, adopted mother yeah. to stay away from because this goat is crazy. Yeah. And this actually intrigues the boy. And he, you know, he's got a good heart, as we can tell from this moment, because he goes up there to see this goat because he wants to try to, I guess, cure the goat, try to see if he can do something to make the goat no longer crazy. And while he's doing that, there's two little looky-loos that are watching that are two kids around his own age yeah. saying, hey, g- get away from that goat, Pope. We're not supposed to be up there. And Pope doesn't really listen. He's like, you know, if I'm gentle, if I'm patient with this goat, he's going to be, you know, he'll be okay. I'll, I'll show you all. And the goat actually comes up to Pope, nibbles on his jacket, and which sort of, you know, doesn't make him mad but scares Pope a little bit. Yeah. That he turns around and is like, ouch, cut it out. And stares the goat directly, uh, you know, eye to eye. They have a staring contest, and the goat just falls over dead. Yeah, from from Pope's stare. Yeah, and, and the, the, yeah, and the, the two girls scream. Like, oh my goodness, no, no, you killed, you know, you, you killed the goat. Or like, like, what are you doing? And at that moment, the whole town with pitchforks and everything, they're all coming, and they have one it's one purpose, like one goal: we got to kill this kid. Yeah, this kid is evil. Look what he just did to that goat. Um, and so we can tell right now that this is one. Uh, this this there's something up with this kid. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they say he's got the evil eye and they want to kill him. Um, we cut over to the Golden Coach breakfast, bacon and eggs, 
Um, I love this. <laughs> Everyone is just like all our, you know, our, our group of people that we've been talking about for the last two podcasts. Now, yeah. They're all just sitting down, lounging, having breakfast in their costumes. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. They're all in their costumes, but they're wearing uh, uh, trench coats over their costumes. And a waitress comes over and says, what's going on? Are you, uh, you're in a costume party, a Halloween thing? Uh, what's with the doofy masks? She says, and, uh, and Daredevil says, it's a costume party. And Gorgon grabs the waitress, pulls her into a lap and kind of jokes around and says, and Karnak says, you know, don't you'll make number nine jealous. And, and, number nine who looks very jealous says i don't care i don't own him and we get that <laughs> little we get the little spike of jealousy coming and then the waitress she's looking at the waitress and we see this splot of blood start running down her face and uh, number nine freaks out and says you're bleeding over the food and then she comes to her and says well i'm not bleeding it's ketchup you're crazy and everyone sort of says what's wrong with you number nine and then the waitress wanders off and daredevil's like something is not right that way there's something wrong with that waitress something wrong we see the waitress leave and of course the waitress was blackheart uh, more messing with the people thinks it's funny but then we hear that uh, mephisto says um, uh, blackheart says you know this is to i'm nudging them all and pushing their jealousy their pride their gluttony it's easy to tempt them they're sloppy they err so easily uh and says you know there's certain things that even i see that mephisto can't see um, and says i'll play this game i'll lead the humans into his darkness they're so close they dance around and draw closer blind oblivious to the enormity of what they head towards but mephesto is in for an awakening he's old style and, and basically says you know i'm gonna show him who's boss um mephesto so, yeah so we go over to mephesto and uh, he's still incredible in hell with you know all the trapped souls reaching out for him that we yeah. have more that are literally in the if you look in the background jamie there's like more souls that are falling down yeah. the hill from earth is that's how i kind of took it yeah but but mephesto looks different and like i was saying it's horn he now has these crazy like horns that are all twisted and twined together yeah. his skin is kind of like it's i don't know starting to Pill off at the joints. I don't know. It's just yeah, starting to look a lot different. He, start, he looks like uh, the, the way he's standing as well. It's like this almost um, like weird femininity to his mm-hmm. position. Like he's on. He looks like he's wearing high heels and and he's standing. He's standing there and he basically says, "You're all cowards. Like every single one of you. There are millions of you in here. There's a legion of you. You could destroy me. I want any one of you, just one of you, to stand up and fight me because this is so boring." And they're all just like tormented cells are like, "No, no, we can't do that." And then um, Blackheart comes down and says, "What satisfaction in there is there in having those who despise worship you? Those you despise worship you." And uh, Mephesto says, how dare you? I was having a private moment with the accursed. <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, I own this place and you're vain. You're, you, you're merely a reflection cast in my image. Uh, don't ever question my work again. And then he walks over while all of the, the souls are reaching up, begging for him. And he says, be gone, all of you. I, I want to be alone. You know, you're really getting the idea that Blackheart is starting to really get a mind of his own. Yeah. 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 Uh, He's, yeah, you can just kind of tell, like, I think Anna Senti does throwing those little eggs in there where, mm-hmm. you know, he's adapting, changing a little bit. Yeah. He basically says, how he says the black heart, Mephesto says the black heart, your purpose is to do my work. But you get the idea black heart is like, no. My yeah, purpose I, is to- I don't think you may have created me, but I got different, yeah. something else in mind. So anyways, so we go back to Pottersville, it's mm-hmm. high noon and all the town is congregated together inside of the church. 
and the you got the father, the priest there, who is is in front of Pope and Pope's adopted mother, saying, "Townspeople, calm down. We, you know, let's talk this through. You're not going to kill the boy." And the conversation that's going on between the boy and his mom behind him, it's you know that's where um, we find out that you know he Pope was trying to cure the goat or to befriend the goat and everything. Yeah. And the mother we can see is really really concerned. Um, and through all this. Daredevil enters the room and it's a great image, full body image of Daredevil standing there saying, back off. Yeah. Walks through the crowd, sticks his hand out, says, come with me. And uh, uh, Pope questions it and says, mom, you know, is this something I should do? And she goes, uh, yeah, go on. I, you know, I, I think it's okay. So Daredevil literally takes the boy in hand and they walk out and they go over to uh, Gorgon and uh, Karnak who, you know, everyone assumes this is now going to be Black Bolt's uh, son. But it's why do you think it was um, Daredevil that went into uh, to get Pope and um, not the Inhumans themselves? Like, why did they stand off and let Daredevil do that? I thought I that think, was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, Daredevil. I think it's his world. You know, it's going into a church. It's kind of. I'm sure he probably, okay. he probably just said to them, "Wait here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and went in. And there's a moment where a few people talk up, but everyone says, uh, you know, I think I think it's okay because uh, they say one 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 guy in there says, uh, "Who is this clown? There's only one of him and lots of us. Why did that? Why are we listening to the devil now?" And Gorgon says, "Because it's the right thing to do." And they start to question whether or not they've been, you know, the, the reaction, the kind of mob mentality is too much and they start to say i think it's okay uh, one of them peels off and runs and basically reveals that it's it's blackheart and goes to mephisto and says uh i i i failed i can i can incite humans to petty angers and jealousies but it is never enough to corrupt them they all just stay so human and now they're acting almost well heroic what am i to do and mephisto says cheat and while he says cheat, we got a great shot of his face, and mm-hmm. he's literally eating these souls that yeah. are like falling <laughs> off of his finger onto his big, long, gross tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we cut back to Pottsville, and we see the rocket that um, that Pope came down in, and the the Inhumans that are there basically say, "Yeah, this is Attilian. This is uh, this is a regular moon transport ship. I've never known one to crash before." And the the stepmom um or the foster mother says you know i found him in the woods it's kind of like a, a weird variation on the superman story she says i found him i knew he was an alien but uh, he was strange and mysterious but i loved him and i just felt like I, I needed to help but i know that i'm incapable of raising him and daredevil says you know it's possible that he's from this race called the inhumans and it's maybe it's time to go back and they say okay we've got to go back and uh, number nine kind of wanders off and says so that's it their mission's finished um They'll be leaving. Gorgon will be leaving. And there's these tiny little demon flies that kind of come at her and, and kind of keep tormenting her. And uh, Karnak comes over and says, are you okay? Is something wrong? You were talking to someone. Because um, she starts screaming, shut up to the little flies. And the, the flies are flying around going, he's going to dump you. He's going to dump you. He doesn't care about you. And uh, and Karnak thinks he's helping. He says, like, "This is funny." I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like like you know, to console your friend, he's like, "Listen, don't let uh, Gorgon get you down. He's merely a womanizer. He has many consorts on the moon. Just don't take him serious. Don't take him seriously. He's a bit of a and and um, and number nine's like, don't say that. And then even Brandy comes over and she says, "You're a jerk. <laughs> you know, you're a, yeah, you're a monster. You what are you doing? And so once again, you know, we don't know what's 
causing Karnak to do this. Yeah. I and mean, we, we do know. We do know, um, yeah. It's the jealousy that's know. all bubbling up amongst them. They all start getting ready to fight, and Daredevil's standing there, and he's saying, what's, uh, what's happening? They all lapse into this so easily. We can feel everything. And he says, hang on a second, it's getting really hot in here, and there's a rumbling. I sense something under the earth. And he screams, look out, and the ground opens up completely, tears open, and they all fall down. Um, we see the uh, the stepmom, uh, Pope's, uh, sorry, I keep saying stepmom, the foster mother and the priest um, watching as Pope falls into hell, basically. And uh, then we see that Mephesto is suddenly like, you've made a mistake to Blackheart. Yeah, why'd you bring the child? He says, you brought the child in. This throws everything off. This is not what I planned. Um, and that's how the issue ends. And then we go into a, an incredible issue. I mean, this is... I, I was, this, is, this is one of the craziest issues in the whole Daredevil series by far. Yeah. I was talking... I can't remember where it was, but someone mentioned on um, Twitter that they have a friend who um, collects artwork from... It, I, it came about because someone posted a picture of a page from The Dark Knight uh, Returns. That, they, mm. that an artist had redrawn. And they said, yeah, I'm getting a, a different artist to redraw an issue of The Dark Knight Returns or maybe the whole thing in their own style. So I get one page from a new artist and build this up. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I started talking about what would be the issue that, that I would do that with. And I was talking about Daredevil issues. And I said, you know, possibly 181 or 260. And then... I thought this one would be a really cool one because there is so much craziness going on in here that you could get so many different artists to to take their turn on. But um, it's called Fire and Ice in the Land of the Dead is on the cover. And the first page is incredible. It's just Daredevil falling. And it's yeah. a completely white background. We have no idea where he is. And he looks, the way he's shaded, the way he's drawn is just, there's something kind of like, beaten and different but he still looks like Daredevil but he's fallen and he's it says like his senses barely work down here there's nothing he can't sense anything he's fallen 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 forever and then he lands and hits the ground and it's snow mm-hmm. and he says there's there's nothing he says uh he, he knows that Mephesto's involved that's the first thing he thinks and then he says I'm blind but my senses are telling me there's nothing to see anyway no smells, no vibrations, nothing. Even my radar tells me there are no objects as far as I can sense. There's absolutely nothing here. And we see 666 marked into the into the snow in the a little uh, uh, circles, as it like little snow angels, but snow demons or whatever. Um, and he's walking along and he senses a phone box. And uh, Phone box? Yeah. Is that what you guys call them over in England? Yeah, what do you call them? Phone booth. Yeah, it's a phone box, phone booth. Oh, wow, I've never heard that term before, okay. phone box. All right, well, you should travel There we go. More. I learned something today. He sees a phone box, phone booth, and, uh, oh, yeah, he even says, look, there's a phone booth. Um, and and that tells Daredevil that he must still be on Earth in his mind. Um, and then he goes in and he says, but it still doesn't feel right. The phone's broken. I must still be on Earth, but it feels so cold. And we see the word heaven is kind of scrawled into the phone box, which says phone Eden. Um, then we cut to number nine, who's fallen and shedding wings. She's she, uh, her clothes have changed, and she's kind of in this angelic garb, and she looks like an angel that's fallen. And there's all these demons that basically say, "We make wings. We make wings. That's our job." Um, 
and uh, they kind of wrap around it. They're all every there's all these creatures wearing um, band T-shirts. It's like Run DMC and uh, Aerosmith and stuff like that. <laughs> um, Anthrax and um, Motley Crue are in there. Um, and number nine kind of says, "Where am I?" And uh, they they kind of laugh and say, "Oh yeah, this must be heaven. This is heaven, right?" And they're all laughing and joking and, and teasing her. Then we see uh, Gorgon and Karnak, and they're completely naked and. Gorgon's completely hairy, <laughs> a terrifying <laughs> amount of hair. And they fall down and they crash into a uh, what looks like a huge table almost. And it's a um, it's like a, a landscape of advertising. There's yeah. all of these crazy um, um, billboards up and uh, blimps flying around and um, like bro- the, the, the terminology on them is all broken. It says uh, drink and drive sponsored by damn drunk against mad mums. And, um, and they say, is this earth? This is crazy. I hate earth. And, and um, Gorgon just starts stomping. <laughs> says, I've got to find a way <laughs> of getting out of here. And that's what they start fighting again. And, uh, you know, Connick says, you're such an idiot. You're just like everything about you is brute strength. And they fight them. They're fighting with giant um, uh, they, breadsticks. They call them stilts at the beginning but or or crutches. They call them crutches. Yeah. I think it was something that was holding up like a, just holding up one of the signs or something, yeah. I guess. They, look, they just look like giant breadsticks that that is what they look like yeah Yeah. and so so they're fighting each other these two naked guys and they're and they're hitting them together and then all of a sudden uh they realize that they're not actually um crutches yeah the crutches or breadsticks but they're shaped like big bombs yeah and we have a great panel of woof. One of uh, woof. The, the two bombs hit and explode and just destroy everything around. Um, then we cut to Brandy and Pope, and they're falling, and they land at the bottom of a huge wall, like an, an incredible cliff. And and uh, Brandy basically says, um, "She she comes to," and Pope says, oh, "Thank God you're alive." And he says, "Well, we've got to get out of here. We've got to climb. We've got to climb this cliff, and it's going to take a long time." And then Brandy says, "This will probably take months." And <laughs> Pope's like, "Ah, oh, this is pretty tricky." And we pull back a little bit, and we see that there are images of gods, different gods, carved into the the cliff that they're climbing up. Um, and Brandy helps Pope. She kind of grabs him, lifts him up onto a, a little cliff edge, and basically says, "Look, let's." Uh, Let's take a rest. Let's get it together. But we've got to keep climbing. And um, and Pope says, "Well, can we try and have some fun while we're doing it?" <laughs> fun, fun, man! You're a weird kid. Yeah. Uh, we come back to Daredevil. He's walking, and it's a heavy blizzard now. And he's walking along, and he's thinking, "Did we just fall through Earth? Are we did we die? And what is this? I don't. It doesn't feel like hell because it's cold, and it's not what I expect hell to be. But who knows? Mephisto. He's always tricking us." And then he senses another phone booth off in the distance <laughs> and says, you know, maybe this is Earth after all. Uh, we cut back to number nine and she's being dressed up by these the little demon things that are flying around that keep pinching her. And they're saying, you know, well, you're an angel. We're going to make you we're an angel. We're going to put wings on you. And uh, no one will give her a straight answer because this is a, a version of hell where everyone kind of lies. And, and some of them say uh, you could be in purgatory, you could be in heaven, you could be but none of them mentioned hell. Um, and she's walking along and and says, uh, you know, only only the big guy, only the big guy can start a fire. And she keeps saying, well, well who's this big guy? And they say, you know, the 
the king, God, the Lord of the flies. No, not flies, lies. No, lies, no flies. And they get into a fight and she's she kind of shrugs and walks off. We cut back to the nakeds and they're, <laughs> uh, they're asleep in a, a kind of elegant looking room with a library full of uh, Sartre and uh, Camus and Guide novels. And there's several doors that say no exit and a, a plinth that's a, a pedestal that's high up and there's a woman on the pedestal that floats down and she has angel wings but horns as well and they're kind of saying what are you what you know what are you doing here and she thinks she keeps calling them macho bullies and says come and drink we're we're in the best place ever um you know we don't let anyone in here it's just us we're gonna have a great time and and she pours these huge champagne flutes and says we're gonna have a good time and um, Gorgon starts to kick the no exit door and she says, what is wrong with you? Can't you read? It says no exit. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. And, um, and this was interesting. So she, so she goes and, you know, they, they poured the, like they're, they're sharing drinks together. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously the Gorgon and Karnak, they're not, they're not exactly like, you know, this is bad. They're kind of saying, well, this is interesting. Maybe we, you know, maybe this is not so bad type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because see, they keep asking, is this heaven? Is this hell? And no one, and the, the angel with the horns comes down and says, I kind of, I, I kind of mix it up a little bit. I go between the two, you know, I'm by, she says, I'm bi-coastal. I'm a switch here. I'm a regular in both realms. Heaven is kind of sweet, but it's boring. Um, you have to smile so much it hurts. Everyone is so nice you could just puke. Let's drink to down under. And that's when Gorgon says, like, I'm getting out of here, you know. And uh, then we cut back to Brandy and Pope climbing up. Uh, Pope falls. Uh, he's on the cliff and he falls. Uh, part of the cliff falls back. And he's saved by a snake. A serpent wraps around him, lifts him up. And drops him off, and then they spot a an angel, a fallen angel in a Beastie Boys T-shirt. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, and he's lying there, and he looks like uh, he he has um, he's kind of drawn as a Native American. Um, yes, and, and and his halo, he has a halo. It's a crooked halo. A crooked halo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Pope says, "Why don't you kiss him to wake him up?" And Brandy says, "Come on, don't be silly. That's just a kid story." And he goes, "Yeah, but you know, who cares? Maybe it'll work. Maybe it's." A- and, and he points out that it's in reverse. Yeah. See, this this is the only reason I think Brandy d- agrees to do it is because he says, "No, this is the woman saving the man." Yeah. Because if it was the man saving the woman, there's no way Brandy would kiss him. No. But um, it's her saving him, so she's like, oh, "All right, I'll try." And uh, she goes in for the kiss, and uh, he wakes up and kisses her back. Yeah, and she be- and she gets kind of smitten with him. She's completely infatuated with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we come back to Daredevil, and he realizes that the phone booth is actually a confessional, and there's a cross on top, a wooden cross, and he snaps it off, goes inside the confessional, and starts a fire, and says, "You know, I need a miracle. It's it's wet, it's damp, it's cold. I don't know if this is going to work." But he keeps hitting the. The, the broken cross together to try and start this fire. Then we cut back to number nine and she's floating along and she's in what looks like heaven, but it's full of billboards of women that are presented as being perfect. And she says, this is a nightmare. This is everything I hate. Why are we here? And uh, one of them, one of the little floaty demons says, this isn't, she says, this isn't heaven. And he says, it's billboard heaven. <laughs> and then we cut back to Gorgon and Karnak and they're saying, look, we aren't in heaven, so we're either dead or we're in hell. 
And the angel demon says, no, silly, there's no such place. There's only Earth. Then we cut back to <laughs> uh, Brandy and uh, the the angel with the crooked halo has picked her up in his arms and she says, and she says I'm in heaven. And he says, not quite. Um, and then finally, Daredevil starts a fire and he says, I prayed it would work. I've done it. I've made fire. And then we cut back to Mephesto and he says, this is impossible. Who has created a flame? Only Mephesto dare make hellfire. That flame must be put out now. That's, That's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that yeah. issue. Some of it is a little uh, hard to hard to understand. It's yeah, a lot of metaphors. Yeah, there are a lot of metaphors, and I think it's kind of open for interpretation, which is also kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of see that everyone is having their own version of well what Mephesto believes their hell would be like. Yeah. And um, everyone has to find a way to uh, overcome, uh, I guess, their, their problems. Yeah. Um, 280, what is it? 281? 281, yes. By Demons... Del, what is that? What's that word? Uh, Del, deluged. deluged. What is that word? De, deluged. 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 All right. By Demons Deluged. Deluged. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelmed. Um, so, uh, heaven is knowing who you are. We open with Daredevil. He's holding up a torch that he's created with the flame, and we see a flower growing in hell. Um, and he's feeling much better now. He's feeling like, you know, I'm getting a handle of this. The, the snow is starting to abate. Um, and then he's overwhelmed with the, a deluge of demons. <laughs> they, they fly into <laughs> him and start attacking him, and it says Daredevil does what he does, what heroes do. It's a knee-jerk reaction. He fights back, and he keeps hitting these demons and, and swatting them. Um, then we bounce over to uh, number nine, who feels like she's being trapped. She's. And we have a little brief moment of her possibly imagining what the uh, the treatment that she that created her and her powers uh, was like, where she's completely like bound up with all of these tubes and uh, cables attaching her, and and she's chained in place. Uh, and she comes to, and there's a beautiful angel that kisses her awake. We have the the, the opposite of what happened to. Um, to Brandy, um, and um, and then another angel wearing a public enemy t-shirt, um, and he's thinking uh, it's typical the girls always fall for Ga- Gabrielle. He's about as deep as the skin he's printed on. Um, he's one of the angels of Bilbo Heaven, um, and he walks away, and and Brandy's kind of smitten. Um, number nine smitten with him, and then the um, uh, the other angel who comes over who says his name is Lucifer, but people call him Lucy. Um, he comes over and... He, he, he sort of convinces number nine yeah. um, that... Uh, that well, she's he, okay how she he's, is. He, he's jealous of Gabriel in a way, but he convinces number nine to, you know, like d- maybe going for the prettiest, the, the, the you know, yeah. like, the, like the strongest, the most beautiful is not the correct thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she says, you know, she says that Gabriel will never fall for her. She's too clumsy. Maybe maybe I'm too clumsy for him. And and Lucifer says, or Lucy says, um, the first thing I noticed about you was that you were so clumsy, and I think it's cute. And it's kind of like, a, you know, it's the, the whole Lucifer seeing humans and, and liking them mm-hmm. that Gabriel being too aloof. And 
Um, and it's, it's funny too, because he even says, you know, like I'm an, I'm a nerd, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I'm sweet, but, but I'm also a nerd and he goes an invisible nerd. And right after he says invisible nerd, number nine goes, Hmm, I'm sorry. Did you say something, Lucy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, know, I thought that was clever writing there. Connick and Gorgon are in the, the room with the angel demon and there's a huge feast and she's still saying, you know, we've got everything here. We've got all the greatest art here. We've got a Rembrandt paint and a sculpture by Rodin. Look around you, there's everything, all the greatest music, all the greatest literature, everything is transcendental. Come on, enjoy it. And Connick just basically says you're an elitist. You sit here privileged while all everything around you, there's there's all this suffering around you. And um, and the angel demon says that you know don't be a bleeding heart. It's messy, and I don't want to give anyone outside any help. And they basically turn on and basically say, look, you're a prisoner. You're a prisoner of all of this. You don't realize that you aren't living. You're just you're this lonely creature that's trapped in something that you think is perfect, but you could be helping everyone. And then we cut back to Daredevil in the midst of fighting these demons off. And he crazy, yeah, it's a crazy splash. Yeah. he is in full full battle and he's questioning himself while he's fighting he's you know you know yeah. where am i like what am i doing what am he, i even he's, doing he's saying there's so much violence and everything you know these demons with their horns and their sharp teeth you know what's my you know my fate uh you know dies you lived i have to keep keep on so he, he's kind of discovering that you know or questioning do i need to keep fighting like is is fighting the right thing to do right now yeah yeah, and then Mephesto is watching and he says, yes, yes, keep fighting, keep killing. Every killing step you take is another toward me. Your path leads only to Mephesto. And Mephesto now looks like this bloated toad with... <laughs> yeah, I know, it looks disgusting. Yeah. I think I think, I think, think John Romita Jr. was thinking, let's just draw him in the most disgusting like poses and looks throughout every page. Yeah. Every time that we draw Mephesto, let's just make him even creepier looking. Yeah. Um, then we cut to uh, Brandy and Pope and the Angel, and they're climbing up the hill, the 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 cliff face still and they're saying you know i'm getting tired and i don't seem to be getting anywhere and there's this moment where um brandy says you could fly us up and angel says yeah but then we won't be together where this will shorten the time that we're together and she says no we, i think it's better that we just rush and get this done you know we're getting tired and he says okay well if that's the way you want it and he flies him up and takes him to the top and then says goodbye and flies away and uh, and Brandy says, "Wait, no! You said you'd love me. You, you said you loved me." And he says, "I do. That's why I'm leaving." And she has a moment where she breaks, bursts into tears, where she's lost the angel. The angel has left them now that they're at the top of this thing. Um, yeah, so now we go back to um, number nine's uh, version of hell, yeah. and Lucifer's playing uh, some music while uh, she's walking with Gabriel, and 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 G Gabriel is, you know telling her like, you know, things don't matter. You know, you look beautiful. You're, you know, you compliment me yeah. um, here, you know, I want you to share this with me, have some fruit. And she's like, but I'm not hungry. Just take a bite. And, and she kind of storms off because she re realizes, no, I, I don't want to eat with you. Um, you know, stop trying to control me. Like I, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm my own person. And yeah. we find out that Gabriel was actually um, Blackheart and uh, he says, hmm, th this is uh, interesting. These humans, they, they have minds of their own. Um, they have courage. You can't just order them around. So he's getting kind of confused and once again is having a revel uh, revelation that um, uh, maybe Mephesto's way is the wrong way. Yeah. And um, after that, Lucy is um, consoling um, um, number nine while she has her head in her hands crying and uh, 
you know, like why do people want to, you know, make you something that you're not, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're always trying to make you perfect. And uh, Lucy's like, yeah, I always feel sorry for girls. And and she asks, well, why why do you feel sorry for them? Um, Because, and then uh, Lucy goes on a little rant where he talks about, you know, girls are always told, um, you know, that they they need to be beautiful, you know, with stories like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. Um, But, you know, there's not really white knights in real life, you know, even though we're constantly told that, you know, you're going to be rescued by a man. uh, That's not the way it works. So, you know, he feels bad for women and she starts to you know, listen to Lucy and mm-hmm. feel like, you know what, this is, uh, this is true. This guy sees what I'm, you know, you know, y- you know, he's explaining things that I'm actually thinking that are correct. So she starts to fall for him and then gives him a smooch on the lips. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, he says, girls are told that they just have to sit there and look pretty and some Prince Charming will come and save them. But in reality, whatever that is, there are no white knights. So lots of girls just spend their life sitting and waiting. They never realize their own white knight. Everyone's got a white knight right inside, right here in the heart. Smooch. Um, and then we see, speaking of white knights, mm-hmm. we see a, uh, I love the way Anna Senny writes him. She goes into full like stoner dude mode for, <laughs> for Surfer. <laughs> um, it's the Silver Surfer. And the way, this is the, the intro page. It's a great one, uh, a single image, single page image. And it says, uh, uh, it has the, it has the, the, the lap over from the other thing. There's no such thing as a white knight. And then it says, this is, and this is Anasani so good at this. Uh, He's the most cosmic guy in the universe. He's a former Galactus Herald. He comes from the race of utopians and hedonists. He's tuned in, turned on and hooked up. In other words, he knows what he's doing. He's no, he knows what's going down. He's on a quest. Sometimes he's noble. Sometimes he's lonely, but mostly he loves to go surfing. The Silver Surfer. <laughs> I love Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. He's such a he's such a cool character. Yeah, and he's kind of floating around, and then he says, "Hmm, something's happening." Mephisto, what are you up to now? <laughs> so, um, so he, so, we have the little moment of like, "Uh oh, some you got some splaining to do." Moment of uh, yeah. <laughs> Silver Surfer. Um, so uh, now we're we're back to to Karnak and Gorgon mm-hmm. and um, and the and the Angel Devil Lady. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Gorgon is, he's over this. He's like, this is stupid. I want out of here. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to kick this door down. And obviously Karnak, um, who's the, the brains of the outfit is like, you know what? You don't kick doors down or bang on them or force them to do anything. He's like, you just try to understand them and they open up to you. They open right up. So Karnak using Karnak's ability, his mind figures out the door's weakness, which is in, tu- in reality, just, you know, be gentle, open the door, you can go out. Yeah. And he opens the door and lets out a whole bunch of, uh, or he lets in he lets a in. whole bunch of people that come in through the exit, a bunch of, um, I guess, misshapen angels, right? Yeah, they're kind of broken souls that come in and they're just like, uh, the, the angel demon is there saying, oh, welcome my equals. Uh, would you like to eat at my table? And then they're just like, yeah, whatever. I just want to hear some Mozart. And they're like, sure, whatever. Put some rock and roll on. <clears throat> and then we cut back to Brandy and Pope and she's talking about how bad she feels because she ordered the angel around and made him do what she wanted and it chased him off. And Pope says, we're all rotten, Brandy. We have a shadow inside us and that's the test. I remember my mother, she was beautiful with long red hair. She told me the story of two knights, one called Galahad and one called Lancelot. Galahad was so good, goodness came easily to him. He didn't have to try, it was like a saint. Lancelot had something bad in him, so he had to work harder on himself. It made him even better. We're all like Lancelot, we're dangels and, devils and angels. And uh, then they're looking down and this is a moment where they see that, that Brandy says, you know, 
he says, look, just look around, look at the look, look at the stuff, look at what, find the goodness and everything. And she says, you know, you're kind of right. You're smart and looking around. If this is hell, it's kind of beautiful. And we see this like huge fire burning. Then we cut back to Daredevil and he's fighting an endless, endless, endless army of things coming. And he's starting to think, you know, that's what that's all my life has been an endless. Uh, deluge of, of fighting my whole life has been fighting what a fate i wouldn't i wonder could i change that fate no matter how many i kill they keep on coming and mefesto just thinks it's hilarious <laughs> just like this disgusting blob lying on its back <laughs> laughing and going yeah so you keep killing keep fighting till you drop that torch and then he says you know that it was what if i just stopped Oh, he just stopped and he lifts up the torch and suddenly... Oh, great. Fire. This is a great image, yeah. Jamie. Sorry the interruption. No, yeah, that's like, okay. Like, it, it's Daredevil from the back with his torch up in the air, flames all up high. And and everyone, and you can't tell what the the little demon-y flies and, and the bad guys are doing. You can't tell if they're backing up, going forward, but it's almost like they all just kind of freeze. Yeah, it's almost like they all just get burnt away by the, the fire that is the, the, the torch is just inflamed. And Daredevil says, you know, yes, 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 they can't touch me. Okay, Mephisto, I'm coming for you. You made a mistake. You believe your evil breaks a man. Sometimes it does, but when it doesn't break a man, it makes him even stronger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we go to... 282, which is... Yes, the last issue we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, it's got a cool cover of Silver Surfer flying in uh, to as Daredevil is with his Hellfire going, you know, looking like he's going to punch down uh, Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, cool, it's a cool cover. Oh, it's a great cover. Um, so we see Daredevil walking across the Tormented Souls, holding, still holding the torch, and Blackheart is kind of leading him almost, mm-hmm. uh, leading him. And telling him, you know, your, your thoughts are correct, but be careful lest you let your pure flame mix with the flames of hell. Hold your torch high or it will be your downfall. Then he flies off and uh, and Mephisto suddenly appears. This huge Mephisto says, I heard that, you you know, you little traitorous Blackheart. <laughs> I made you. And Blackheart says, you're, you're a fool. Everything you're doing is foolish. And they have this great moment where, the, where Blackheart goes on this, like, not heroic, but he kind of says, you know, you're... You've created this world, and you're you're fallen behind. You're old-fashioned. You don't get any of the gains. It's all changed, and you don't know how to keep up. And he's going on and on. And he says, "And I'm here. I'm going to make a new world order. You're a dinosaur." And Mephisto just grabs him and squishes him like a bug, and says, "Did you say something? I can't hear you." <laughs> <laughs> I like that moment. That was yeah. cool. Um, uh, Brandy and Pope are walking across the the tormented souls and they're kind of grabbing. yeah yeah. It's kind of like at this point, everybody, all the different groups are kind of coming together. All yeah into the middle They're, they've all sort of you know figured out what their hell was and how to how to get out of it and actually you know get back to i say reality which get back to the, the, loose, the back collective to hell festo's reality I yeah guess. and as they're walking along what's happening is the tormented souls that are like these empty hollow things are reaching up trying to grab them and the little demon flies are trying to convince each of them that they could rule in hell that they could take over from festo they're trying to tempt them Mm-hmm. And they're just like uh, saying, you know, it'd, it'd be easy. You could be kings here, but they're they're all basically saying, no, we're, we've got to get to to the big boss. We got to get to the next level. So, um, Blackheart uh, reforms himself and and kind of once again goes off on Mephisto and says, you know, you you don't know anything again. Um, you're encouraging it. You're reveling in all of this. You think you, what you're creating is evil, but what you're actually creating is problems. And, and I just want to say, like, look at, at this at this point. 
like he is a Mephisto is the biggest fattest blob ever. Yeah, and he's got all of the all of the the souls are climbing up him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like it because I like how Mephisto. Whenever Mephisto gets mad, he, his go to is to smash stuff, right? Yeah. So so he he smashes Blackheart again because <laughs> uh, he doesn't like what he's saying. You know, he's like, "Shut up! I will hold, I will hear no more of your lies." And he smashes him this time with his fist. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I just think it's funny. Mephisto is off. You can obviously tell that Mephisto um, is starting to get agitated and um, he's not, not like control. the way that things are going. Yeah. You can feel that it's slipping away from him. The plan mm-hmm. isn't going how he wanted it to. We cut back to the last person in the group who hasn't got out of their hell, which is um, number nine. She's walking along with Lucy, Lucifer. And Lucifer's basically saying, you know, it's uh, a. Uh, uh, number nine says what is hell and and lucifer says well kids are raised to believe that there are two kingdoms of punishment and reward if you're bad on earth you're cursed in the afterlife if you're good then you're forgiven and um but he says i believe all men and women are both good and bad it's your choice you can transcend or fall you too number nine you can choose weakness or choose strength you have access to both right here on earth while you're still living it's all the same place and the it's the implication is that Mephisto is one demon and that maybe Lucifer is actually Lucy is actually Lucifer who's sort of like getting involved in the game to tempt someone to get them away. But at the same time that there's a little bit of like uh, you know, I, I'm still an angel. I'm still I'm a bit of both. I'm everything, you know. These these guys, the old school guys are over here and they're they're either completely good and they're completely bad, but all of you have got good and bad in you, like um like Pope was saying, you know, there's, there's the light and there's the dark. And sometimes having a dark inside you and overcoming it makes you lighter, makes you the brighter of the two. Um, then we see an amazing shot of the Silver Surfer who's just streaking through space and basically saying, you know, I've got to get to Earth. I've got to go and stop Mephisto. He's up to something. Um, Blackheart re-manifests himself <laughs> yeah. again. Keeps so obviously zapped. we can tell, he, you know, you, you can't beat Blackheart by smashing him. Yeah. And and Mephisto keeps trying, keeps zapping him and blasting him. And he just says, you, mm-hmm. you can't do it. You can't end me. And uh, so so what he decides to do, because he figures out he, that's that's correct, he can't do that. He decides to um, exile him. Yeah. And says, you know, I'm, you know, this is what your punishment is going to be. Um, if you love Earth and humans so much... Uh, that you betray me, uh, humans. The, you're going to be human forever. Um, that's going to be your chosen fate. Um, you're going to uh, still have all of your powers, but you're going to always have to be in in a human form. Yeah, and he and says he, like, if you use your powers, it will drive you mad. Um, so uh, number nine basically says, uh, "I've made it. I've made it to the edge of that version of Billboard Heaven." And Lucy says, "You know." off you go and she says can't you come with me and says i could go further but i think it's time for us to go our separate ways uh we gave what what we gave each other was good enough just choose strength choose heaven and look closely at people the best treasures are hidden and they separate and they walk off and the whole gang is now basically back together except for daredevil is up um pope falls off of uh, the edge of a cliff that starts to crumble and brandy saves him and um i think it's a Gorgon and Karnak saying, wow, she's pretty fast. She's faster than an inhuman. And there's the goodness in her that we're seeing start to come up. And then mm-hmm. we see Daredevil is basically facing off uh, to Mephisto and saying, you know, 
this is it. I've, I've had enough of you. And he's a tiny form. And Mephisto is just this huge, horrible, almost looks like a bloated, pregnant beast at the moment. It's just like saying, you are idiots. None of you have any idea what you stand before. You're so arrogant. You're so smug, so righteous. How dare you? And he zaps Brandy. He kills Brandy. Just completely burns her to ashes. And... Uh, that was a that was a that was an interesting moment. Yeah, it was like really out of nowhere. It was this moment where we saw her be very heroic and sort of change and start to understand. And Mephisto thinks it's hilarious. And then um, Daredevil says, "Pope, stay down." Uh, and we we think what's going to happen is that Mephisto is going to start zapping them all. But what actually happens is that Silver Surfer bursts in and starts to zap Mephisto, and we have this cosmic battle going on. And he basically says, "Silver Surfer says, get out of here." Um, Daredevil says, this this is no fight for human eyes. Get out, run. They start running up the hill. And in the background, we see Mephesto and Silver Surfer just going at each other. There's like fight. It's it's beyond our understanding to even stick around and watch. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Mephesto is trying to convince Daredevil, saying, you know, come on, watch, watch. This is going to be great. You're going to see it. It's going to be great. I'm going to destroy this pure being. And Daredevil's like, nope, not interested. Um, he says, oh, I'm, I'm getting out of here. And they climb, they climb the hill and Mephesto is really pissed at this. He starts screaming after him saying, come back, watch, watch me fight. Come on, witness this. <laughs> and um, they get out, they get out of hell. They appear back on earth as we know it to be. Uh, they're in a grassy meadow. Um, hey, and, we, and we get the idea now that everyone is finally going to go their separate ways. Yeah. You've got uh, Gorgon and um, Karnak. They're saying, we're going to take the boy. We're going to take him home. Daredevil goes, number nine, what are you going to do? She's like, I don't know. I think I'm going to go on alone, I guess. And then they think about Brandy. And then uh, while they're thinking about it, we see that, uh, thinking about her, we see that Brandy is an angel now. And she's watching over them. And she's like, don't cry for me. It doesn't matter. I'm happy. And she's happy because she's with her her angel, uh, her Native American angel friend with the crooked halo. Yeah. And uh, they're watching everyone else walk off. But Pope turns around and takes a look and you know we get the understanding that pope um can see the angels and uh uh i forget the name of the native american angel he's like yeah see kids can all see angels um it's just when they grew up they can't see us anymore yeah i don't know if we ever get his name to be honest i'm not sure but yeah. uh that yeah that kind of wraps it up so man that that, that was crazy that was a, a lot of stuff going on and um um it, it was very enjoyable but i am looking forward to uh Daredevil going back to New York. Yeah, he gets back to New York, and uh, the next up is going to be 282, right? Which is... Or 283. Two eight, sorry, 283, yes, 283. Yeah, um, yeah we get back, and uh, I think it's still Anna for a while. We get into, like, Last Rites or something, and then um, 283 is, a, is another weird little standalone-y that ties into the uh, Captain America stuff that we're going to be looking at as well. Um, and it is, let's see, it is Anne Nascenti. It's uh, Mark Bag- Bagley is doing the artwork. Um, and it's a, it's kind of a standalone story. kind of ties everything up to this stuff and is more of getting Daredevil back to Hell's Kitchen. So, um and then we get into that nice little run with Lee Weeks, which is excellent. I love that that little section. But yeah, we're getting closer and closer to Anasenti's final period, I guess you could call it, a final run. And John Romita Jr. and Al Williamson? 
Uh, Al Williamson, I think, still sticks around and does some inking, but John Romita Jr. is gone. He's going off to do Man Without Fear with Frank Miller around this time, mm-hmm. So, uh, which we'll be covering way down in maybe episode 75. I think we've got Man Without Fear and the Electro Assassin miniseries to cover at that point. So just another 11 episodes between us and that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a minute. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some fun stuff coming up, and then we get into uh, some real funky stuff. But uh, next episode, we're going to cover just 283, that um, that issue that we were just talking about, and a Captain America storyline. Um, what is that storyline called? I can never remember what it's called. Uh, Streets of Poison. Uh, Streets of Poison storyline that Daredevil pops up in very quickly. Um, a little brief uh, six or eight page story in Marvel Comics Presents 49 and the Daredevil Annual Number 6 which has some uh, uh, I think it's Cam Kennedy artwork which is kind of fun to see he didn't do too much in, but yeah um, good stuff coming up yes sir yeah good well, well good thanks for uh, thanks for doing this with me Jamie no thank uh, you we are through 282 issues of the Daredevil self-titled series right mm-hmm. now. Yes. 282. Yeah. How many are they at right now? Like 600 700 and, and... How many? 710. Oh, 700. Is it 700? No, I think you might be right. I think it's 600. 600 yeah. and... Yeah, 600 and some, I think. I don't the know. The very lot. last one so, was 612 before it renumbered again to volume 6. And now that's on issue 20. So 632 issues. So we are we're slowly up. getting to the halfway point. Yeah, we're nearly <laughs> halfway. That's it. So yeah, 632. So what would halfway be? It would be 315, 16, 316, which is nearly at when uh, Fall from Grace happens. Yeah. Oof. That's going to be the halfway point. <laughs> Holy Toledo. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's it's crazy though since we've started doing this because um I, I haven't read most of, or I, you know uh, prior to us starting I, I didn't read very much of uh, Daredevil volume 1. Like yeah. pretty much everything I had read started with volume 2. Mm-hmm. So uh this has been exciting, you know. Like I I don't remember reading very much Daredevil or Mephisto stuff, you know, Daredevil and Mephisto that that was that's crazy that that pops up. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, I guess it makes sense, you know, that, you know, the devil of Hell's Kitchen and, and Mephesto. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like he's gone against a lot of villains. I mean, if you think about it, over these 282 issues, he's fought, obviously, his rogues gallery galore, you know, mm-hmm. some Kingpin, you know, all, all of those guys. But he's fought a lot of Marvel villains that, you know, it's just awesome to see him fighting everyone. He's fought almost everybody. You yeah. Know? If you yeah. really think about it, yeah, Doctor Doom. I mean, so many, so many people. So He's it's been fun real heavy him, uh, take on. You know, just did Ultron too, even yeah. though he didn't really do much. But <laughs> yeah, some people say that's a cop out that one, but I like it. I like the way it's it's a, a good way of addressing the power imbalance. Sometimes it's easy to say, you know, and yeah. then he found the off switch. But at least this one was a lot more interesting. So when we get to issue three hundred, mm-hmm. we have we have to do another another list. We oh yeah, we do, do our, don't we? Our favorite. Once we hit three hundred, we got to <laughs> do our favorite. Uh, we'll come up with some different ones and add on to the ones that we've already done in the past. But, yeah, you know, try to you know, it's going to be so hard. But let's try to do our top ten issues through three hundred. Okay, standalone issues. Man, yeah, that's going to be hard. Yeah. Whew. 
We're going to hit issue 300 on episode 69. Nice. So, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay, so once we hit 69, we're going to uh, do our top 10 issues and a whole bunch of other favorite lists and stuff too. And, uh, man, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be good times. Yes, sir. Right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We we appreciate you guys uh, giving us a listen. Yeah, thank you, everyone, and thank you, Joshua. Yes, sir. I am Joshua. I am Jamie. And we, we just, just did Daredevil. Daredevil.